Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. You have just tuned in to one of the most exciting hours, at least if you're a gardener, in northern Arizona. It's The Mountain Gardener. This is your host, Ken Lane. We're here each week talking about how to take care of that property, the outside of the house, how do you take care of your plants, your trees, your shrubs? How do you keep weeds out, you know, uh, mildews and molds and weeds? There's some easy ways to do this. And gardening, it's all about timing. If you get the timing right, everything just comes together. If you get the timing wrong, even if you think your thumbs are green, if you start swimming against nature, against the environment, all of a sudden you find that your success rate starts to drop. You can fight your way through things. I've, t- I've learned over the years, never tell a gardener what they can or cannot do. They'll prove you wrong every time. But for the most of us, if, we, if you just work, go with the flow, that, that feng shui of gardening, it just starts to come together. And it really comes down to timing. As we hit this first of the new year, your, the, the new year starts is a cue for you. If you're thinking through holidays, you know, New Year's is your pruning cue. This is when you think through uh, getting everything cleaned up out in the yard. And I'm just about done with most of the pruning in, in our own personal yard. I've got to clean up a little more at the, the big landscapes out front in front of the nursery, but uh, it, pretty much I'm almost done. And here's what I really focused on. When I went out there, I pruned back the perennials. Now, perennials are those flowering things that die back to the ground every winter, but then will come back fresh from that same root mass every spring. In fact, I was cutting back the asters, the uh, salvias, I was cutting back the, uh, the mums, chrysanthemums, and they were starting to show little green heads towards the, right at the ground. You could see that foliage was starting to emerge for spring. It's kind of exciting to cut back all that dead. What you thought was dead, get back there and going, wow, it's starting to grow. That's great. All right. And what that'll also do is if it's starting to grow, it'll open that up so it can see more sunlight. So it'll start to take in the warmth and the moisture and the rays of the sun. You'll start to elongate and get better growth that way. I didn't see any growth coming out of my asparagus yet, but that'll be very very shortly. I wanted to make sure I cut off all those old stalks from last fall. They've all turned yellow and then brown. Open that up so that when I do see asparagus starting to come up, I can start harvesting those first spears. And it'll be production pretty good on, on my asparagus anymore. And we get quite a few dinner. It's a, it's a major item. We love asparagus at the Lane House. And so we'll get quite a few servings of that off of that small bed. So it's time to clean all those perennials up. Then I'll start focusing on the summer blooming things. I don't touch any of the spring bloomers yet. None of the lilacs have been cut back. None of the flowering quince. Any of that, anything that shows flower in the spring, I enjoy the flowers first. After it's done, that last petal has dropped. Then I'll go ahead and give it a haircut. You might ask, how much do I cut things back? Well, perennials, right back to the ground. Some of them I was mowing with a lawnmower this week, (laughs) literally. So I I took out the lawn last year, but I kept my electric lawnmower. 
just for this purpose. It doesn't get used very much. I actually took out the grass lawn. I put in a thyme, creeping thyme lawn. Creeping thyme takes oh, virtually no water, so it takes no resources, far less uh, fertilizer, yet it still has this nice green hue. It's got kind of kind of off-colored right now, kind of purple-colored, but I can start to see, I'm starting to see a few new leaves come out, and by, by really in another six to eight weeks, it'll be in bloom. It had that classic pink flower coming over the lawn of that, of that creeping thyme. Well, I wanted to take a, a lawnmower to it, just kind of clean it up, had all these leaves in it. Just want to vacuum all that up, and then I I mulched up all the old leaves from last year, twigs, branches. I just did that right over top of the thyme lawn. And I went ahead and pruned back some of my short, uh, I've got some blue grama grass, some new new varieties coming out. I just mowed those right back, right to the ground at, at lawnmower height. And they're done. That's it. Then I take all those cuttings and I add them to the compost pile. So I do Or top dress, uh, flower beds, that kind of thing with it. After that, okay, I've cleaned up, pruned up. I'll start to focus on my summer blooming shrubs. It's Russian sage, Rose of Sharon's, your crepe myrtles, things that bloom really after the spring season. They're going to start blooming May, June, July, August. All those things get pruned back because they don't put a flower bud on in the winter. They wait until spring hits. It's got to be a certain temperature, and then they will start their process of forming their flower buds. All of those plants, I just prune those right back. The Russian sage, I'm brutal with that one. Now, that's that purple flower. It grows up. It's a shrub. grows up about waist high, and if you don't cut on that pretty hard, it wants to take over the yard. So it wants to recede. It just comes back too aggressively. So I really I cut it back even below knee level. I really take it back from that hip high right down. I don't use a lawnmower over it, but I'll maybe leave a foot of growth on top of that Russian sage. And any suckers trying to come up, I'll, I'll just pull, pop those out with a shovel or cut them right back to the ground. Very, very aggressive with my Russian sage. Same with the salvia gregiis or the autumn sage. Now that that's a smaller plant. It's kind of half the size of a Russian sage, but I take it back Oh, knee high or so. It's pretty pretty strong. It kind of ball shape it, kind of keep it going. That way it doesn't get too leggy. Otherwise, it can tend to grow up and kind of flop over, especially if we have a real wet summer monsoon pattern like we did last year. It just kind of opened up and flopped out, and it didn't have as, wasn't as cute. It, it bloomed as well, but wasn't as cute. Your butterfly bush, that's another one that can really be a weed. Now, butterfly bush, the other name is summer lilac. Has that lilac cone shape to it? You know, lilacs, they bloom first to spring by the end of March, April. You're, you're having your, your lilac going to bloom. I've seen too many mistakes where people are topping, sh- shaping, trimming their lilac, and you'll drive down the neighborhood, and you can spot these neighbors who made the mistake. Their lilacs will have no flowers coming out of the top, which is when it, that's the best way to have them. It's the best way to enjoy the fragrance. It's when they look their best. All the flowers are coming, shooting sideways out the side of this plant. So there were a few buds that survived their butchering job. And so everything else is just green. It's a nice looking shrub. It doesn't damage it. It's not going to hurt it. There's no disease or bugs that are attracted to it. Just you, you pruned off the most enjoyable season for that plant. The reason you plant 
these spring blooming uh, shrubs is, is to enjoy the spring blossoms. You you want to enhance that, and so you really cut them back hard in, in end of April and May. That's when you're really shaping those back. How much do you trim them? The book says, and I'm just purely quoting the book right now. You can prune ten percent of the foliage mass any time of the year you want. Now that would be a major limb on a tree. Say it encroaches on your sidewalk. You're starting to ding your head on that. And you just want to really cut back that limb. Cut it off any time of the year you want. There's no rules. Anytime, 10%. That's a haircut on on, on hedges and and uh, just your evergreen shrubs, your photinias. They just, you cut them back. You just keep cutting back 10% of the foliage mass anytime you want. Up to one-third of the foliage mass. That's a major pruning job. We're talking a third of the, of the plant is just gone. That can be done when it is cold, midwinter. That's why we wait until after the new year to start pruning, our, do our major pruning. This would be a major prune back on your fruit trees. That's when your perennials are cut back. That's when your shrubs are really cut back. A third of the foliage mass can be cut back anytime you, I mean, in, in the midwinter, 10% anytime you want. So that, does that help you get the timing right? I mean, that, that seasonality. So now through March, I would say now through mid-March, it kind of depends on how long winter lasts, when spring actually goes. But usually by mid-March, we're starting to see spring hit pretty strong. Daffodils are in bloom, forsythia are in bloom. The jasmines, they've already bloomed. So by mid-March, you really ought to, so you get two and a half months to get your pruning done. So just take a nice day. Don't do it all at once. Kind of work at it. It gives you a reason to be outdoors. So we have a lot more on pruning and just winter, what to do in the winter coming up. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. You're in the area with your dream home on the inside, but surrounded by boring? A castle surrounded by rock is just so bland, but we can help. At Waters, we have a team of plant experts ready to dress up and decorate even the most boring of landscapes with something fresh, new, and evergreen. Plus, we deliver and plant for you. Designer plants with the experts to help you beautify your new abode. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Hi, Ken here with the Plants of the Week and our Red Clusterberry Cotoneaster. Stunning white flowers cover the shrub in spring, then form red berries. A large evergreen that is tough, easy to grow, and tolerates poor soil. So thick when sheared is the perfect privacy for hot tubs, secluded entertainment areas, and prying eyes for just $39. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love red-berried cotoneaster, they love to shop. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. And in the studio is the fabulous, the wonderful, the beautiful Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She's got your Q&A questions. Yeah. Just what other emails are coming in? Just uh, what are other neighbors talking about? Welcome in the studio, Lisa. Thank you. Always good to be back. Yeah. So questions this week. You can tell it's it's been nice. It's been beautiful. People are thinking, oh, I want to get outside. I want to turn my soil and stuff. Right. Just have cleaned up all the pruning's done. Mm-hmm. 
I, I kind of want to get the soil prep because there's going to be one last storm that oh, hits, and I want probably it to be ex- more than one. <laughs> I want it to be exposed to cold before it, uh-huh. you know, before spring, kill off any nasty things in there. That's and good. That's true. Well, that's yeah. good because that actually kind of answers Janice's question because she wanted to know: Is it too early to be out there pruning and cleaning and doing all that stuff? See, gardeners think alike, don't we? We just all <laughs> there's this common way of common thread that goes through. It's been so great out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was doing my pruning. I think the whole backyard's done, even the perennials, except a couple of the roses. Mm-hmm. I'll wait to prune those back in the backyard until March. In the front yard, I've got a lot of carpet roses, mm-hmm. just different colored things. I'm waiting to prune all the roses till March. Okay. And then some brand new things. Mm-hmm. There's some brand new salvias up by the street. Right. Uh, um, some of those things. I'm going to wait to prune those because mm-hmm. if we do happen to go really cold, really quick, the bigger the bush is, the more it can protect itself. Sure. All the old salvias or autumn sages in the back, I pruned them back. So I had the pruners out, electric hedgers. <laughs> I'm I got all the tools. I'm getting it done. Right. Fronts newer, mm-hmm. so I'm a little more timely on that. I would say most things can be pruned back now. Okay. If it's a spring blooming thing, please don't make oh, this mistake. No. <laughs> you know, exactly where I'm going. Uh, if you prune back your lilacs now, you'll cut all the flowers off. If yep. you prune back your forsythia right now, you'll cut all the flowers off. If you mm-hmm. prune back your azaleas and rhododendrons, you'll cut all the flowers off. Mm-hmm. So wait. All the spring blooming things, you allow them to bloom first. Mm-hmm. Then you prune them back after they're done blooming. So right. it's it's okay to do that. Everything else can be pruned Right now, all the, all the fruit trees, all the perennials back to the ground, prune all that stuff back now. Okay, so get out there in the yard. And of course, get that's to what today's class was all about. If you came to the <laughs> class, you would have heard all that and had firsthand demonstrations. That's true. The grasses you cut back had demonstrations on that. So mm-hmm. you know, if, if you got in doubt, you know, bring an iPad, sure. take a snapshot, bring it in. We'll tell you exactly how to prune it back. It's pretty yeah. easy to do. We like to do that. Okay, second question is from Keith, and this kind of relates too. He was cleaning out his garage and found a bottle of the all-season oil. Well, he's kind of forgotten why he has that all-season oil (laughs) and when he should use it and why do you use it. You bring this stuff in, you buy this stuff, you only bought two bottles, only used one or one and a half or Mm -hmm. whatever. That's usually most of your shelf goods, most of your your pesticides, herbicides, miticides, all those things. They're good on the shelf for, on average, about two years. Now, it depends on if it's a garden shed. It gets right. really cold. Mm-hmm. You know, some things should not be frozen, especially, you know, native, organic, mm-hmm. natural stuff. They should keep you know, in the garage. Unheated garage right. is fine. But out where it's getting freeze-thaw, mm-hmm. probably only good for the season. I would say all-season oil. That's the oil you put on the landscape when everything else is done. When when you've just cleaned it all up, well, it wipes out all the eggs that were laid last autumn, last summer, and it, any wintering over bugs, it'll it'll kill those guys off. Mm-hmm. And there there's still bugs out there in the yard, believe oh, yes. it or not. They're mm-hmm. active. They're doing. They're slow, but they're <laughs> working. Right. You do want to clean things up, especially when you had issues. Mm -hmm. Let's say last year you had caterpillars on your oaks or you had coddling moths on your fruit trees or you had Mm -hmm. aphids on your roses. You really want to make sure you focus on those. And it's a, get the biggest bottle of all season oil you can get as a heavy duty oil, Mm -hmm. coats the plant, very safe for you and the birds. 
and uh, it just smothers the eggs so that they they don't hatch on you. So at least you're standing, you're, you're starting at ground zero. Some, yeah, yeah, things can fly in at that point, but they won't they won't <laughs> hatch in right. to your plants. Okay, so he can use it. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. If you don't know if you've lost the instructions, come talk to us. We'll get you a photocopy or something. Mm -hmm. Next question is from MJ. She wants to know, when should I plant asparagus, rhubarb, potatoes, etc. Yeah. in Chino Valley? Chino Valley. So Chino, you all have the coldest of the cold and the hottest of the hot. And you get all Lucky that ducks. cold air spilling over from Ash Fork and settles right on you in that valley area. Mm -hmm. And then in the in the summer, you just get hot. You just get hotter than most of us. <laughs> so you talk about extremes. I would say it's too early yet. Oh, yeah. You want to keep an eye on your nurseries. So mm -hmm. wherever you're, so if you folks in Kingman, well, keep an eye on your garden centers, flag your, your garden centers. Usually those asparagus, garlics, onions, potatoes, they all show up, you know, into mm -hmm. February, 1st of March. If you folks at the higher elevation or Chino Valley in the real cold, low-lying spots, maybe it's a little early to plant the end of February, 1st of March. Mm -hmm. You might want to wait until mid-March. Sure. We're getting close. The secret, though, is to buy it as soon as you find it. Don't wait. You want to pick off the best of the crops. You want to mm -hmm. get the biggest garlic bulbs, the biggest, freshest potatoes, and hold them in your own garage unheated. Uh, until you're ready to plant. It might be mm -hmm. two, three weeks before you plant, but at least you've got the cream of the crop. Right. If you wait at nurseries, these crops are really limited. Mm -hmm. They're planned to run out by the end of March. They're just Definitely. a real tight window. So you want to grab them and, and hold them until you're ready, mm -hmm. and then you plant them. How to plant is too much for just a radio show. We've got yeah. handouts on that. You can do right. a little internet work. Go to watersgardencenter.com. Mm -hmm. And type in asparagus. It'll. We've got a handout. It shows you exactly how to do it. Type mm -hmm. in potatoes. It'll in that search bar in the upper right hand side. It'll it'll bring up the instructions on potatoes. So okay. it's that's a good resource that's local mm -hmm. that really does work. The secret is after Valentine's, grab them, mm -hmm. plant them. Probably in Chino Valley, March, so. March sometime. Just depends on the weather. Right. But they could be working on um, soils, kind of amending oh, yeah. their soils. Oh yeah. Um, you know, what grows really well in some of those raised beds is potatoes and things like that. So maybe you want to put in a raised bed. You know, it's a time to work the soils and get those things right. ready. Yeah. A lot of those things, like your potatoes, they don't like a lot of heavy manures. Mm -hmm. So if you're working your soils, use the compost up in, in your potato beds. Some of those right. where you're planting bulbs. Sometimes there's some, some enzymes and bacteria mm -hmm. and fungi that are in the manure uh -huh. that are good for most vegetables, but they'll attach themselves to those bulbs and they'll, they'll cause them to rot, mm. especially early season potato. That's why right. you really want to get that, those amendments in early, mm -hmm. let them sit for a month or two, then plant. Right. So it has, a t it has time to neutralize all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on. Next question is from Jeff. He goes, I've heard about a product, and we mentioned this a lot, that cuts down on weeds. Yeah. And yeah. we're kind of getting at that time where he probably needs to think about putting it down, don't you well, think? Well, the foxtail's already coming up. I mm -hmm. mean, dandelions have been up, and they're growing huge. The thistles will be right behind them. So, yeah, you really want to, if you have not put that on last fall, and I was preaching that last late last winter, mm -hmm. or last fall, early winter, you know, put on your... Weed and grass preventer. Weed and grass preventer. He's probably just heard it so much at this point <laughs> that his little conscious is back there going, I should put something down. I, I forgot what it was. Yeah, yeah. Weed and grass preventer. 
put it on everything before the next storm. It's really important. It's been, it was 60 degrees in some parts of, yes. of Northern Arizona. This, I mean, it's warm. Right. It feels like early spring and weeds will start popping on you. Mm-hmm. So the next storm, it'll, the, the ground is warm. It'll start, start germinating. Mm-hmm. If you have not put that stuff down, then you're into weed killers, the liquid, right. and they More are work. very effective in the, in cool. this time of year. So you want to prevent them. You don't want to kill them. You mm-hmm. want to keep them from even showing up. So it's called the weed and grass preventer. Mm-hmm. Bonide has a really good one that has a real broad range of, of weeds that really will take you until summer. Right. And it'll, you put it on now, it'll keep you from having weeds or greatly reduce them mm-hmm. until June or July. Mm-hmm. And then you'll reapply midsummer, and then that'll keep your, your tumbleweeds and the, the nasty whorehounds, goat heads, those yeah. summer weeds. It'll keep the summer weeds from coming up at you. So you, mm-hmm. those weed and grass preventers, you put them on twice a year, once now and once about you know, July 4th, if you think of holidays, put it on then. Yeah. You definitely want to get it on now because once those seeds germinate, once they're actually growing... You can't use, I mean, it won't be effective on it. So. And it's safe for your birds and stuff. I would say if you can put it on right before the next snowstorm, that's mm-hmm. ideal because it takes it, penetrates it deep into the soil to prevent your problems. That's it for this segment, Lisa. Thanks for coming in. You're listening to Ken and Lisa Lane, The Mountain Gardeners. You're listening to Ken Lane, a.k.a. The Mountain Gardener. Ken can be found throughout the week in Prescott at Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. My living room feels so empty. Now that the Christmas tree is gone, the house just seems so blah. Brighten it up with a big, bold, beautiful plant from Waters Garden Center. Fill that cavernous space with tall tropicals, colossal cactus, and sizable succulents that bring the great outdoors indoors. Make a gorgeous green space you can enjoy all year, not just for a season. Unique, exclusive, one-of-a-kind houseplants found only at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. If life is a bowl of cherries, why not make them the biggest, sweetest cherries ever? Waters Garden Center is super excited to introduce our new organic fruit and vegetable plant food. This fertilizer has the bonus of added calcium that gives fruit trees and veggies an extra boost to produce healthy, abundant crops. Feed your plants now to help them thrive and grow more fruits than ever in just $27 for a 20-pound bag. Safe, natural, organic fruit and vegetable plant food only at Waters Garden Center. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. So we've been talking pruning. This is the season. You're in your peak window. The next couple of months is an optimal time for most of your cleanup and pruning. I would say now's the time to really do that. And if you've had some issues in the past, cleanup and pruning are critical. So if you had leaf spot on that euonymus, you had mildew on your roses, you had fruit trees with shot hole, it is very important to clean those up, prune them back, open up the airflow, and then clean up all those spent leaves that dropped. Clean all those up, vacuum up, rake them, be very thorough, and clean that stuff up because that's where all that leaf spot, all those problems, they come back at you the next year 
from the, uh, that undergrowth, that leaf mold that's, they're just, they're waiting down. They're protected from winter. Cleanup is critical. I'll tell you how to spray them later on in the show, but right now let's finish up the cleanup subject. How do you prune? How do you, what, what's the steps? Let's focus on trees. If your trees have been in the ground for a year or more, they weren't put in last summer. They're too young yet. Keep the stakes on those trees. But if they've been in the ground for more than a year, you really want to take the guy wires, you open them up, let them take on the environment that's been given to them. They have to sway and get used to that wind. That swaying back and forth encourages a very strong, stiff, uh, but, but flexible trunk. So if you don't do that and you keep them just pent up and staked for too many years, they actually can become brittle when you take them off. Finally, they outgrow their space and the wires are getting into the trunk and, and it starts cutting and, and wearing on that plant, which creates a weakness within that spot where the, the guy wires were, were holding the tree. Or you'll finally take them off. You have a weak tree that looks large, but it's weak and it'll break in a windstorm. While they're still young, you want to take those stakes off. Uh, so they can get they can get familiar with that wind, become stronger, uh, so they'll they'll be less prone to, to have issues. This is important. If you're just in doubt, cut the wires, but leave the stakes intact. Le- leave those stakes there. Let it leaf out in spring and see how it does. As it leafs out, and we get that prevailing southwest wind that that we're famous for, just unrelenting, day and night, southwest, comes at us. That's why those trees start to lean to the northeast, because that wind just pushes on them as they leaf out. If you've got a tree that's rooted, and over a year, if you've got it been in the ground for a year, it should be fully rooted. And, and you've had a year or two's worth of growth on that plant. So now we've had two bands of, of new wood growing in the trunk. You've got the, the canopy layer has extended and grown larger. If you've had two years of that, you know, over a year's worth of, of growth, then it should be able to take all that wind and it should be able to hold itself upright. If you're just in doubt, cut the wires, pull them off the tree, see how it does. And the real challenge of staking a tree is getting those stakes in the ground. If you didn't pull the stakes, you can always go back and put that guy wire back on there to hold it for just one more year. I see too many mistakes where people leave those trees rigid and upright for for years down the road. They should have been taken off those stakes three years ago. And so just go ahead and try it. Just believe me, it'll be okay. Cut those guy wires, leave the stakes. You can always break them off. In May, after you've had your first couple windstorms, you'll know if it can hold up to the wind itself. So a year or more, if, they're, if they've been over a year, so if those trees were put in in 2012, for sure your trees are old, old enough and mature enough to go by themselves. Let's so go ahead and pull those stakes off the guy wires. Then I would go after the deadwood. Any dead branch, any time of the year, can be cut out. Dead wood in a tree or a shrub, just it's like a magnet for, for bugs. There's some little beetles that come after 
Deadwood, their jobs, their, their job assigned by God at the beginning was go clean up the dead wood. And so they fly around the forest. They're looking for dead wood. When they find it, they burrow their way in. They start creating sawdust and they start the composting process. When they run out of that wood, they start going, well, it's dead wood, I know, but now I'm running into live wood. But, you know, tell tastes good. It's better than flying and find a new home. And it just causes, then it starts to spread into the other tissues. Don't allow that to happen. Just realize, work with the environment, but don't let them take over. So those flathead borers, hips beetles, bark beetles, all those guys are attracted to dead wood. Get that stuff out of there, whether it's a fruit tree, a shade tree, a, a, a conifer, an evergreen of some sort. Don't let dead wood be a magnet. And that's any time of the year, not just in winter. Now, remember, I said 10% of the foliage mass anytime you wanted, or up to a third of all the foliage mass in the peak of the winter season. But that does not include dead wood. Dead wood's cut out any time of the year. Just don't let it harbor issues. That's also where other insects kind of hide out. So they'll get into your fruit trees. They're kind of hiding the nooks and crannies of that dead wood. Don't let the coddling moths and different issues, the sawflies, hide in there. Cut it out of the way. The Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations. Guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. Let's talk poop. Hey, I'm Tommy at Waters Garden Center. Ken and Lisa are out right now, so I snuck in to remind you that it's time to add some manure to your garden. It's been a wet winter, and your soil is, well, pooped. Waters Barnyard Manure adds nutrients to get your garden growing. It's organic and odorless, so we really can say our poop don't stink. Buy six bags or more. They're only $5.99. Now that's a load of crap. Tommy, what's going on? Oh, poop, gotta go. Natural, safe, odorless, and organic at Waters Garden Center. These tulips are delicious. We're the cutest mule deers, and we just ate Mrs. Smith's flowers. <laughs> we avoid Mrs. Johnson's because she has native plants from Waters Garden Center. She's got bright red sage, sunny blanket flower, hot pink gara, and a lot more. They grow like crazy in local soil, and she hardly ever has to water them. Hummingbirds and bees love natives, but they taste awful to deer. I sure hope Mrs. Smith doesn't figure that out. Go native. Waters Garden Center. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert, Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding, with a few of Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. Sometimes as a gardener, you just want some inspiration, some, some design flair, some feelings. And so we've got this segment dedicated to... You garden lovers out there that just love the feeling, the texture. You like to hang outside in the garden. And Lisa brings her design, professional design tips to this segment with her, you know, woman's flavor to it. So I think that's important to have that. (laughs) Too many times contractors are designed, they're just men. Mm -hmm. And the, the house is designed by men. And you can tell... A man who has probably a bald man doesn't have even an outlet for a, for a hair dryer. I mean, come on, guys. Then we have this sterile entrance designed by men. It's all concrete. You drive into concrete. It goes to your front door that's concrete, and it's probably a beige door. And color and men and design and flair, they just you need a woman's touch. And so I, we don't have enough women in the landscape design <laughs> install we, we have 
We have men just designing the stuff. We need the woman's touch sometimes. And that's why the women come in mm-hmm. and they start nesting and at a garden center. It's predominantly the number of customers are women, yes. but men seem to spend as much. So they don't come in as often, but they do it in a grand way all at once. <laughs> the average sales much higher with a man. Right. The women are ones that come in more often mm-hmm. and they're adding more color. And sure. by the time they get done blending the two, they spent just as much. Well, they finally have a nice looking yard is what happens. <laughs> oh, so we okay. need that woman's touch. I agree. Did we set the stage up too much for you? I think so. As you, usual. You way overdid it. Sorry. That's what I do. That's <laughs> how I go through life. Way overdoing it. I like my women that way too. <laughs> I'm not even going to touch that one. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> anyway, what do you got for us? Well, I thought this week we would talk about screens and, and hedges and how to use them uh, properly in the yard. I have had in the store so many people coming in and looking. They need to create a screen, whether they're blocking a neighbor, the neighbor's RV, or um, a utility box, or something that's just ugly that they want to block. And I think there's good ways to create screens, living screens, and then there's really bad way <laughs> True. to create living screens. The building boom in northern Arizona is back. You know, it's mm-hmm. been five years. Back in the mid-2000s, we had everyone come in going, I thought I had this lot that would never be built on, and right. now they're building this humongous home, or mm-hmm. they finally bought an RV, and you can tell the economy's back because right. that's when privacy screens start being <laughs> sold again. Yeah. So they're trying to make a park, their mm-hmm. secret garden, their private right. space. Right. So that's a good, good topic. Mm-hmm. What do you got for so, us? So yeah, there? you know, if you if you you need to create a screen, I mean, essentially you can do a living screen, which would be your trees and shrubs. Or you have to look at fences, which um, incredibly expensive, or walls, very expensive and not very attractive. Yeah. So living screens um, are definitely a way to go. Better value by by far. You oh, need yeah. to plan ahead and think think it through more sure. than just a cinder block wall. But it does look <laughs> better when you get done. Right. So things to think about when you um, are planning your screen. Think about um, you know power lines. Are there power lines going over the top that so you can only maybe your plants can only get twelve foot tall, you know, or can, the utility boxes have to be a certain distance away from the utility box. So there's um, cons- if if there are constraints, you need to think about those and what those would be um, before you pick out your plants because plants grow different sizes, and make different heights. So right. um, give some thought to that. What are some of the constraints that I might have or have to be aware of? When you're planting your screen. So if I want to plant under a power line, mm-hmm. what are two plants I could use that only get up to 12 feet tall or 10, 10, 12, where I don't have to maintain it. Maintain it APS isn't going to come through and butcher. Top them. <laughs> yeah, have it butchered look for the next three years. Right. So you could look at um, Fotinia, red tip Fotinias, which yeah. do nicely here. Uh, red clusterberry Gatoniaster is a nice other evergreen. Even look at um, Spartan junipers, emerald arborvitaes. So there's quite a few Good things choices, there. Sure. That That's one you really want to, you want to, Check with an expert before mm-hmm. you just commit, do a little internet work, and then buy something that maybe is wrong in three day, mm-hmm. three years. Right. All of a sudden you're going, oh, dang, I really made – that's a huge blunder because mm-hmm. now it's a gigantic amount of work to recover from that. Right. And then you got to start from square one again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Definitely. good advice. Um, another thing I would tell people to think about when they're putting in um, a hedge or a screen you – know, depending on how much space you have, if you've got like a thousand feet, it's different than maybe you've got 50 feet. 
you know, it, and don't put things in, I think this is my pet peeve, a straight line yeah, of, true. You know, how many times have we seen a straight line of uh, Lulandi cypress? Or something like that, you know, or you've got 20 of them in a row. Well, invariably, I can tell you something's going to happen to one of those. And so you've got, you know, 10 in a row and then one died. And so you've got to replace it. But now you can't find it at the same size. So it's a good idea to really mix up your screens and not use, especially if you're doing a long one, try to mix it up. Put some variety in there. So if you do happen to lose one, it's not going to affect the the entire look. This is hard for our Californians that come over (laughs) because they're used to those tropical evergreen Mm -hmm. walls. Right. And they have their crews come in every two weeks and trim them up and keep them going, keep them going. That doesn't fit here very well. Mm-hmm. It's the formal gardens. In an, this is an informal mm-hmm. landscape place. So we, you're trying to blend in with nature, not screen right. it off and create a totally different environment. Mm-hmm. And mixing it up, you know, even in Prescott Valley, our house out there, yeah. we had a small lot, a quarter mm-hmm. acre, but it was lush and it was green. We had a, a chain link fence, classic mm-hmm. 19, screams <laughs> 1980s. Look how old my house is. I've got chain link. Mm-hmm. We tried to hide that by having vines growing vines in the chain. Mm-hmm. We had apples espaliered. We had right. evergreens growing up as, as mm-hmm. we had a mixture of different plants and it looked natural, even though right. it was a two dimensional wall, mm-hmm. it had a three dimensional feel because of the way we mixed the different plants together. Right. You can do the same. It's very easy if mm-hmm. you've got someone that can help guide you through that process. Sure. We've, just, we've designed more, more screens out in the mm-hmm. walkways here at the nursery, right, right. I mean, we get 25 feet. We're just measuring off going, okay, you need about mm-hmm. six feet here. And right. we just make it right there on the spot. Mm-hmm. And the other thing to think about, instead of putting it in a complete straight row, maybe you want to do more of a triangle shape. Um, so it gives some depth to it and you're, it's much more pleasing to the eye. So a zigzag triangle mm-hmm. for a small spot or, or a zigzag for a, for kind a of thing down spot, a long Or even a zigzag line. if you're doing a long. And also mix some deciduous type shrubs in there or some print, you know, something to give you some color in the summer and the spring. So it's not just a straight green wall. Yeah. You know, I think the trick is to put some interest in there. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of folks don't think to mix deciduous and evergreens together. They they think they have to be separate Mm -hmm. and they don't, they can be intertwined. In fact, nature that's look at a a forest of, uh, on the mountains, Mm -hmm. you've got evergreen firs, pines, uh, cypress, cedars, and you have aspens and, and right. ash, and you've got different sycamores mm-hmm. all blended together, which gives it the seasonality. Mm-hmm. You can do the same in your own backyard, and it looks more natural. Right. The other thing, you know, some people have planted like Lombardi poplars because they wanted something that was really fast growing that gave them a, an almost immediate screen. Well, Lombardis don't live very long, so you need to plant something along with that. So that that gives maybe slower growing, but it's going to fill in over time. So when that Lombardi kicks the bucket, maybe you've got a nice Arizona cypress in there that's already growing and filling in. So you don't have a big empty spot. Um, The other thing I wanted to mention about screens is noise reduction. Um, A lot of people live on busier streets and they're looking for things that will create, will soften that sound. And did you know? That for every two foot plant of width, width of plant, it reduces your decibel level by four. Oh my goodness. Wow, that's huge. It is. So if you live on that busy street and you really want to cut down that sound, you really want to think about your screens and you want them to be wider as opposed to (laughs) taller. 
Cause I it, noticed part of that too is your different foliage types. Mm-hmm. If you have, if you blend different foliages, you yes. get a better decimal reduction and better right. dust reduction. So those two right. things. Mm-hmm. So it's good to have different, you know, evergreen needles and right. leaves combined mm-hmm. and different heights as well. Yeah. Cause you want some that are lower growing to the ground, some mid and some high. So you're kind of catching all that, that decibel range in there. Yeah. Well, we are virtually out of time. Mm-hmm. Fascinating stuff. Come talk to Lisa. Or, I mean, as a horticulturalist, we eat those kind of projects up. Those are <laughs> fun to put together because it's a challenge, and each one's unique, and how do you get it all together? Come talk to us. You're listening to Ken and Lisa Lane, the Mountain Gardeners. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Did you know that plants can help you sleep better naturally? At Waters Garden Center, we have beautiful houseplants that not only look great, they clean the air we breathe. Get this. Some plants can actually produce oxygen at night and even take mold spores out of the air, making for less tossing and turning and more beauty sleep. Don't lose sleep. Rise and shine with unique, gorgeous houseplants for your best rest yet at Waters Garden Center. Sweet dreams. Hi, Ken here with the Plants of the Week and our red clusterberry cotoneaster. Stunning white flowers cover the shrub in spring, then form red berries. A large evergreen that is tough, easy to grow, and tolerates poor soil. So thick when sheared, it's the perfect privacy for hot tubs, secluded entertainment areas, and prying eyes for just $39. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love red-berried cotoneaster, they love to shop. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. We are at our coldest nights, about two weeks after the winter solstice, you hit your low spot. Then the days get longer, it starts to get warmer and warmer. And in northern Arizona, we're so bright. The sun just feels so good. So it warms up faster than other, other parts of the country, like the Midwest. Here, we can actually start planting mid-February, first part of March, seriously into the serious garden planting season, first part of March, at least at that 6,000 and below level. So for definitely the Kingman, Payson's, Camp Verde, Cottonwoods, Prescott areas, we are, we are into the planting zone, especially fruit trees, flowering shrubs. I think you can even go in with your winter or early, early spring vegetables like kales and spinach and uh, radishes and carrots and those, those types of things. So you need to get your soils prepped because in six weeks, into five, five, six weeks, it's going to start getting nice to where you're going to start seeing daffodils elongating, coming up out of the earth and going, I am about to bloom. We're going for this. It feels like spring. Now, I hope we get some cold that holds that back some. So it, it shows up more in March rather than in February. But in northern Arizona, you just never know. Last year, it was very early. I mean, it was it was right after Valentine's. Boom, it was going. So I just get your soils ready. So when the season does hit, you are able to go after it. The secret with vegetable and flower garden soils, you need a good, rich soil that breathes, that, that's aerated, that, that's got lots of organics. 
and the water percolates through the different soil bands. That way you encourage a deep, massive, large root structure. You can increase that tomato harvest, the squash harvest, more uh, lettuce leaves, more Brussels sprouts coming off. You get more. You'll get more pansies, more dahlias, more marigolds, more petunias. You'll get more by prepping your soil. Our soil, we don't have any real soil here. And the little bit that we do have gets used up very, very quickly when you start growing in it. So it's only a few inches thick. The top layer of of topsoil is very, very shallow. And if you've got a raised bed, a, a... if you're, if you're in an area where you're rototilling quite often and you're adding some organics, what happens is the worms, the mycorrhizal fungi, the, the beneficials that live in the soil along with the plants, they use up the nutrients, they use up the organics, they use up and it will leave your crushed granite looking like it's dark, but really there's nothing in there for them. So what I do in my own gardens, I replenish my my raised beds is how I'm doing things. I replenish the top layer of my organics and I replenish that so that I have some nutrients back in there. At the same time, I add fertilizers. I add some phosphate sources. I'm, I'm front-loading my, my flower and vegetable beds so that I, when it does actually, the planting season starts, I just start plugging and go. It's just, just it. The soil work has been done and I do that in the winter. I do it now. Here's what I do, and I'll start with my container gardens because Lisa and I, we have over 50 container gardens. I mean, a lot in the back, a lot in the front. Big, swooping patios. We have a lot of patios. We love to entertain. Lots of things. Lots of vegetables are grown in our containers. Trees are grown in our containers. Roses and lots of vegetables. Lots of flowers, of course. It's beautiful. I start with my containers. I'll take the top layer out of my containers, about a foot down. I'll take that soil that I used last year and I add that potting soil to my raised beds. I'm rotating the soils. I want freshness in in each of my containers, the top layer at least. A really big pot, it's not practical to replace all the soil, but you can replace the top layer and that's what I'm going for. Uh, If it's a small pot, I would say under 10 inches and smaller, I just take the whole thing, dump it out in my raised bed and go, here, that's my, that's my starter layer out there in the raised beds. Now put fresh new potting soil in that container. Uh, it, that's what I'm going for. So I start with my containers, then I move to the raised beds, and then I move to in the ground kind of stuff. That's my process. The raised beds, I want to add about a two to three inch layer. This is just, I'm just quoting the book here two to three inch layer of organic matter on top tilled down to one shovel's depth or one rototiller depth or one. I mean, if you get into English gardening and stuff, they go double turn and oh my gosh, they make it complicated. If you're just adding some organics every year, that seems to be good enough in my gardens. I get very good production. I grow giant pumpkins and huge tomatoes and lots of squash and tons of flowers just with this simple process. I'll take that soil I took out of my containers and I'll kind of spread it out over the raised beds as best I can because that's got roots and all kinds of... I'll try to thin out what was there last year. But those old roots, when they rot, they actually, they taint the soil. Actually, as old roots 
decompose in the ground, they actually affect other roots from growing in that zone. So you don't want those old root masses. If, if it's a big rotted kind of hairy ball of from the tomato plant last year, I pull that out and throw it in the compost pile. I don't want it in my raised bed. Now I will add and top off or add to that some manure. I use barnyard manure here at the garden center. I make my own manure. I know it seems crazy, but I make my own manure. We make our own uh, uh, potting soil. We make our own mulch. We make our own topsoil because the garden success is actually in those additives. It's in your soil. So I'll add, for me, I just take whatever's broken out there, whatever broken bag. If it's a mulch, if it's topsoil, if it's potting soil, but I really like the barnyard manure. It's got a mixture of, it's got bedding, it's deodorized, it's not gooey and gross. You can actually work it with your bare hands. I encourage gloves because it does have the word manure on it, but I'm just adding a two-inch layer over the entire thing. I want to turn that in to one shovel's depth. That's my process. Now, while I'm turning, I also add three things Two in addition to the organics. I'm going to add an all-purpose plant food. I make my own fertilizer, so it's a 744, uh, all-natural food. I might as well work that in the ground while I'm turning the soil. Just put it where the roots are going to be. In addition, I'll add a phosphorus source. Bone meal is the easiest. I'll add bone meal, which is 0, 10, 0. So that middle number creates roots and promotes fruits roots and fruits that's what you want with your flowers and veggies well i'm going to put that where i'm going to grow veggies especially root crops uh, radishes and beets and carrots that's really important for them so i'm going to i'm going to add that in there and then third wherever i've got the big summer vegetables tomatoes i would say potatoes squash anything that grows a big fruit uh, uh, peppers uh, cucumbers I'm going to add gypsum or calcium nitrate, what I really like to add. It's a, uh, it's, it's a, it's a calcium source. Uh, we're notorious for blossom end rot. And so we're the end of that fruit, uh, let's say a tomato, uh, where the blossom was, it has a black spot. And if it's really bad, it's going to, to eat up half of the fruit. That's called blossom end rot. That is almost always in northern Arizona, almost always a calcium deficiency. Well, if you know we're going to struggle with this, and a lot of that has to do with our alkaline water, and there's some other issues why that happens, but we, are, we have an unusual issue with that. Well, you can front load your vegetable gardens, especially with calcium. And that's either done with gypsum or calcium nitrate. It's a nitrogen source, a sulfur source, source and, and, a, and, a, and a calcium source. Put some calcium in there. Uh, for you organic gardeners, that's eggshells. If you can take those eggshells and crush them up and add them to your compost pile, that's a great source of calcium. But I think if you're going to grow vegetables out in the yard, you need to add some calcium. And so I'm, I'm taking manure or, or compost, one of those two, a mulch source, something organic. I'm going to till that down to one shovel's depth. Before I till it, I'm going to add some fertilizer, the all-purpose plant food, some bone meal, and some calcium. So those four things, then I turn all of that together 
into my garden beds. And man, that is the magic. Oh, we're talking just start pl- hap- haphazardly throwing some vegetables in there and they are just going to produce. In fact, it's so rich. I put my giant pumpkins on the outer edge of my raised beds and they just overflow and they produce you know, 50, 60, 100 pound pumpkins. It's beautiful. If you've got a great, rich, organic, natural soil, then you want to let that soil settle for about a month because you got a lot of organics. Just let it sit there. Uh, that's why you want to do it early. Don't, don't wait and then plug. You want to do it early and then let it settle and then start plugging your plants in there. That's the magic to great gardens in northern Arizona. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott, 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. As the days get longer and brighter, houseplants can struggle and scorch, but we have the solution. At Waters, we've organized our houseplants from A to Z for the brightest of sunny locations, many even bloom. With experts that know plants and how to make them grow. Shipments of the freshest houseplants in town have just arrived from A to Z and ready for a bright new home. Waters Garden Center, where people who love bright green houseplants, they love to shop, found in Prescott. You're in the area with your dream home on the inside, but surrounded by boring? A castle surrounded by rock is just so bland, but we can help. At Waters, we have a team of plant experts ready to dress up and decorate even the most boring of landscapes with something fresh, new, and evergreen. Plus, we deliver and plant for you. Designer plants with the experts to help you beautify your new abode. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lang. Now I've thrown a lot of garden tips at you this week. Just this midwinter getting ready, prepping. I'm noticing on my uh, feeds and in my mailbox, I'm seeing seed catalogs showing up. You're starting to see that first you know, plan for next year, plan for spring, which I love as a gardener. I love meditating, thinking what color I'm going to pick for my flowers. What's my theme going to be? It's just fun to think that way, especially as you take down those Christmas ornaments. You take down, you just get, it feels bland. There's a little snow on the ground. It looks kind of dirty. I'm I'm, plant, I'm wanting spring. I've hit you with a lot of different garden advice from soil prep to gophers to winter damage, watering. Um, we are starting our garden classes uh, when is that? The 19th. Let me look that up real quick. I think that's January. Yeah, January 19th. We start with healthy, health, happy houseplants. We've got big houseplants just arrived. How do you grow them? Which ones are easiest? We've got our garden guru the on houseplants coming in to, to teach that class. It'll be Saturday, the 19th at 930. Always classes are Saturdays, 930, just so you know. Uh, they're free. Uh, the following week, so January 26th, it's wildflowers. You want to put your wildflowers in while it's cold. They need this winter. In fact, if you could have put wildflowers down before the snow hit, oh, that would have been the magic. That would have really done you a, a huge favor. We're going over why and how. We've made our own mixes here, so we're, we'll share some of those, what really works, the higher elevations of Arizona. Uh, February 2nd, we've got advanced pruning. So we're into pruning right now. How do you prune a lilac back, a fruit tree, a grape? Uh, we're going to all of that. Gardening for newcomers, 
February 9th, and then it keeps going on. Go for control, the whole thing. Take a look at all of those, watersgardencenter.com. Uh, they're right there at the very front page, right up front. I mean, you've, you've put watersgardencenter.com. At the very front, you'll see classes. Just hit the button, boom, they're all right there. We try to make it as easy as we can. And these classes are well attended. So they, they we can have, we start out light with 20, 30 people, but it can be, once we get into tomato and vegetables and grow your own groceries and wildflowers are typically a, a big uh, audience, we can have upwards to 50 to 100 people. I just never know. We don't know what to, to plan for. Come a little early so you get a seat. I can tell you that much. Um, on Facebook, uh, we have a, a tremendous Facebook following. I think there's eight, 9,000 people following our Facebook page. Uh, to take a look at that. It's under events. You, fo you Facebook folks, you know what to do. So Waters Garden Center on Facebook will pop up. And under the events tab, all the classes are listed right there. So we try to make it available so you know where to go after those. And we take a lot of garden questions. We do want you to be an expert. We want you to be in the rhythm of our seasons here. And so if you get that right, gardening is so easy. If you're still using the same garden sequence you used in Seattle or Chicago or Atlanta, that, that ain't going to work here. I mean, you're, it's just got to be different because the, uh, the elevation, the water, the sun, we, we go into all of those. You folks new to the area, gardening for newcomers, that first one in February, that is going to be a very, very good class for you all. And of course, we hang out here, at, Lisa and I, we're here at the Garden Center often. So come and talk. We have a, a full staff of nothing but experts, horticulturalists. We're talking with the big degrees, not, not, not master gardener. We're talking, they talk Latin. We're talking Arizona certified nursery professional. These folks know how to order by the Latin name or, or the sequence. They're just, this is their profession. So they become experts at that. So take advantage of that. And this time in winter, if you come in, there's less customers coming in right now. So they're talking houseplants or they're just there. There's less. We've got more time to spend with you, basically. So come in and take advantage of that. So, but throughout the week, Lisa and I camp out here at Waters Gardens and we love talking to friends about gardening. Until next week, may I wish you and your gardens a prosperous new year. My living room feels so empty. Now that the Christmas tree is gone, the house just seems so blah. Brighten it up with a big, bold, beautiful plant from Waters Garden Center. Fill that cavernous space with tall tropicals, colossal cactus, and sizable succulents that bring the great outdoors indoors. Make a gorgeous green space you can enjoy all year, not just for a season. Unique, exclusive, one-of-a-kind houseplants found only at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in.